0: welcome to the drive in me podcast brought to you by toyota jamaica now leasing directly to your business tailoring lease and lease to own options with island-wide maintenance more on that later in the episode the drive in me series will feature interviews with some of the brightest minds in business in jamaica curating insights and learnings from leading business people and sharing firsthand the fundamental rules of business that have guided them on the road to progress. In this episode, we meet Dr. Kadamawe Knife, director of the Centre for Entrepreneurship Thinking and Practice at Mona School of Business and Management at the University of the West Indies. Dr. Knife grew up in Arnott Gardens in Kingston and attended St. George's College before going on to study economics at UWI. He holds a PhD in sustainable development. The subject which he felt more accurately reflected his Rastafarian beliefs over the more traditional neoclassical economics teaching framework.
1: I think people are defined by the, the, the philosophy them whole and the things in practice, yes? so Obviously, I'm Rastafari, but Rastafari have a particular kind of philosophy and ethic which is really anchored in, in, in service, service to your people. I mean, mm. uh, so the reality is, the more you serve your people, it's actually the better it is for you in terms of your whole life, you know. And so if you do not see value in people, you not place value on them, and therefore the way you approach them will be influenced by that value that you see within them as well. Let me give you what I mean. If I should enter into a schoolroom in Jamaica, a classroom in Jamaica, say in a very poor school because there are different schools in Jamaica, you might find that when you enter that classroom, There might be children scribbling all over the desk and over the walls. I'll be looking at what they're writing on the desk and on the walls. So if I see a young man draw a gun on his desk, what comes in my mind is that youth drawn to violence, is he an artist or is he an engineer? Now, I might want to see him as an engineer and an artist and not a gunman. Or I'm socialized to think is that I might say, oh, this youth love violence. But if I see him as an engineer and an artist, I'm going to start to myself, how can I get this youth into an engineering school? How can I get this youth into an art school? Now, if I see him as a gunman, i am be thinking about how can I build a prison? Yes? So I think it's always the best in people, and that reflects your own mind, because if you see yourself as a very unique and special being... And then you see other beings as being unique and special as well it shows you the kind of force that we have if we really come together to get things done you know i actually did my first degree and masters in economics and i had some concerns about the economics that was being taught in terms of the neoclassical framework now rastafari speak of self-reliance and collective security Self-reliance means that if you put yourself in a position where you are empowered but you also now empower people to empower themselves, we become a stronger nation. Now, when I was doing economics, I did a master's in economics, and I specialized in monetary and financial economics, game theory, and development economics. And I was always trying to reconcile how is it that we can use economics to address the majority of the problems that we faced in, co- in the country. There's an equation that we have in economics which speaks about the, 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 the total production, the income of the country. Just to get into little why Y, which is income is equal to A plus BXI, plus an error term. In economics, when we do economics, we assume that the error term on average over time tends towards zero. Now the error term in the equation is the most dynamic part of the society. You know, As a matter of fact, it reflects the informal space in the economy. And I was saying to myself, but we assume away the informal economy in the economics because we want to have a well-behaved model. But that's not what the reality is. As a matter of fact. The Mm. part that we assume away which tends towards zero tends to be the people that I want to serve. Yes? Mm. Because those are the people in the informal economy who are disenfranchised, who are underserved. But because it is so hard to model those areas, we didn't We choose not to. That became a major problem for me. And so at the end of my master's in economics, I decided what am I going to do a PhD in because I would not be doing a PhD in economics that promotes the same kind of neoclassical framework. And all my colleagues went on to the PhD. And so I struggled for a while and I said, okay, let me look at sociology because sociology seems to be something related to people, etc. That didn't work in terms of my discussions with the people in the sociology department. But then I heard about my PhD, a PhD in sustainable development because I understood what sustainable development is. I'm saying, but this is the PhD that best suits how I want to live as a person and how I live as a being because sustainable development speaks to the economic imperative. It speaks to the social imperative, but also the environmental slash biodiversity imperative. So it's a more holistic approach. And so I found that with my economic background and then my understanding of Social development it makes me it puts me in a better position to effect the kind of changes that we want. Mm. Now that was done more than twenty years ago. I was doing my PhD work. Now we hear all the discussions because at the time we were speaking about Brundtland and we were speaking about Rio. Then we moved to Job to Johannesburg conference. You know, um, and so you can see how over time the whole idea of social development becomes the main focus. But the reality is, that is what earth is really about. If you check very ancient societies, if you go to ancient Kemet, you'll find in the principles of Ma'at, where they will say that we have not polluted the water, we have not injured plowlands. lands. There were principles relating to the environment and people from very ancient, ancient times. You know? Many ancient societies have a very kind of, a kind of reverence for the earth and creation. You know? So you can see it in many of these societies. However, you find that in societies that were really influenced by the neoclassical paradigm, whoever kind of neoliberal approach towards development, those things were not highlighted. And so now we find ourselves in a situation where we have COP26, and in COP26 we're saying that based on the kind of pollution that we're putting out there, the earth is going to pass the 1.5 degrees Celsius mark, you know, and that puts the whole earth in a real serious problem. But yet still, traditional societies that didn't have that kind of academic experience were practicing things that are much more sustainable than what we are doing today. You know, so the economics at the time, and that's why I agree that Berger and Howard, the economics of the time is anchored in a kind of selfish self-interest. And it is a selfish self-interest that actually creates a problem. If you have a kind of enlightened self-interest where I know that if I'm growing and I'm important people to grow as well, it actually supports my growth as well. Jamaican people argue that one hand can't clap and many hand make the work light. Those are the principles that captures those things because we recognize when people work together, we actually achieve much more together as a group than what the individual can achieve. You know? So it's something that we need to be reminding our people about consistently, Truly, if you look at the Jamaican, the wider Jamaican society, like the rural communities across Jamaica, if you go into those places and look at the landscape, look at the, what they have done, you will see that those things have been done because they have been working together, even in agriculture, you know. So in a place mm-hmm. like South St. Elizabeth, they are very kind of family-oriented, extended farming kind of mindset. You'll find that if you look at the houses constructed by those persons, Individually, they could not pay for the mortgage for that size house. But because each person has a skill set, you might be a tradesman who's a mason or a plumber or a carpenter, and they work together to construct that house. They develop a house that values 50, 70 million Jamaican dollars. But that individual Mm. would not be able to find 50 or 70 million Jamaican dollars to build that house. But together, with our effort, we could create something that have that kind of value. As the same with the farms as well. People work together on their farms. we call it day for day. we work together every day on another person's farms, and we continue and continue and continue and continue. If we use those kinds of principles in terms of how we deal with mainstream economics, Jamaica will be a very different space. Jamaica doesn't have a money problem, you know. Jamaica have a redistribution of wealth problem, which is a problem that we have with the economics because the economics doesn't deal with the redistribution of wealth. So we can say that our gross national product has increased. But how does that impact the landscape? You know, you're in a space in Jamaica whereby there's increasing variance across those who have and those who don't have. Yes? So you have a set of persons who are very wealthy and have a large population that is, that is not... In abject poverty, more than 400,000 persons in Jamaica live on less than one U.S. dollar a day. And you have one million persons, a third of the population, below the poverty line. But when I listen to the news of the business report, I can see the billions of dollars being generated every quarter by big businesses. And so it raises the question, it begs the question, when these companies make all of these monies, where are those monies kept? It is not only... A multinational that contributes to leakage in the country. Many resident private businesses actually contribute significantly to the leakage in the country. So, even though we are generating wealth, the majority of the persons are not benefiting from that wealth being generated. And it's about the mindset. And it's about going back to what Mitchell had said. You know, it's sometimes we call it conscience capitalism now. That's the word they are using out in the, in the public, what is called conscience capitalism. But you must realize, man, that there's a point in time where when you start to generate a certain amount of wealth, it actually actually incurs a cost of securing that wealth. So the the marginal benefit from the increase in wealth decreases the more wealth you have because now it becomes a challenge. You have to get security companies. You have to put in security systems. All those things you have to put in place. So what then is the function of that wealth? On the other hand, if you're using that wealth to support persons who are less fortunate. Those persons that you support actually now become a security system. You are free to walk where you want to walk without looking and thinking about what is going to happen to you. Because you have created your, your social capital, your footprint, your social footprint has expanded so much that there is no need for any other form of external security because the people and Jamaican people are like that, they are very genuine, very loyal once you empower people they will never forget it and they're actually looking for a chance an opportunity in which they can actually give you back something that is what the jamaican mindset is like and i can assume that generally that's what the world mindset is like people will support people who supports them genuinely you know without looking for something in return
0: in his efforts to promote conscious capitalism Dr. Knife maintains that his generation is the most oppressive generation of the Jamaican people when it comes to fair allocation of resources
1: and policy building around economics. In truth and in fact, it is my generation who are now in positions of making decisions. You know, and so I come to the conclusion that there is not an absence of brain. It's really an absence of heart. You know, and so while we can think with the brain and work with the strategy of the brain, the final decision must be guided by your heart, because then you'll start to think about how is it that my decision is going to impact the greatest number in the most positive way, you know? And so you're right. So I'm looking at the, the, the prime minister. The prime minister and I went to university at the same time. We did the same degree. We did economics. I went and our a master's. He stayed for a while. Let me come back and do a master's in development studies. All the parliamentarians who are younger than the prime minister were persons who we interacted with on campus and we sat down on our plan. As a matter of fact, as students, we criticized the government. We were always there looking at different strategies to move the country forward. And now that we're in the position, we're actually doing the reverse. As a matter of fact, I come to the conclusion that my generation is probably the most oppressive generation to the Jamaican population. And I'm saying that as somebody who has been on the campus for many years. Interacted with many decision makers. Have done a lot of the research. And it's not a hard problem to fix. And let me give you an example. Recently the government made a statement. Which says that they are going to find 30 billion dollars. To build a prison. 30 billion dollars to build a prison. And I'm saying to myself. Okay. We can have the mindset and the conviction. To try to find 30 billion dollars to build a prison. If we were to use that same. $30 $30 billion to invest in other areas, would we need a prison? Yes? So I like to look at what the research shows. In Jamaica, the agriculture sector contributes 7% to the GDP of the country. It is argued that what we need to turn around the agriculture sector is about $4 billion. $4 billion, not 30 It might be fair to assume that if we Should put that investment in agriculture, it could move from 7% of GDP to, say, 12% of GDP, with a $4 billion investment. I also know that many of the persons who are engaged in crime and violence tend to come from deep rural communities. The research will show you that most of those persons who became the most violent and wanted persons in Jamaica are from rural communities which means if you have a strategy of empowerment for rural communities, you might actually be able to stem the outflow of young persons from those places coming into Kingston, living in an underserved community, and become drawn into violence, and become a victim of violence with just $4 billion. I got the chance of writing the MSME policy, the last national MSME policy. And in that policy, one of my concerns was about where do we get the funding from to resource the supporting institutions so they can help people to run proper businesses that doesn't require 30 billion dollars as a country we have allocated one billion dollar to support micro small and medium enterprise development and remember we argue that micro small and medium enterprise development if they are transitioning from micro to small to medium they will move the economy forward but we only put one billion dollars to fund that but we are willing to find $30 billion for a prison. Yes? So when you look at all the different areas in which we need resources, whether it be a social development commission, whether it be a Jamaica Businessman corporation, whether it be the community based policing army, um, JCF, or any of those institutions, we have not resourced those institutions adequately, but we are willing to find money to create a prison. Now, when you create a prison for $30 billion, Say that prison holds 5,000 persons. You're not planning to keep the prison empty. So you want the prison to have 5,000 people. It costs $1 million a year to keep somebody in prison in Jamaica. Which means that when you have constructed that prison, without any additional costs, you're going to have a bill of $5 billion a year to keep those youths in prison. Which is more than what we need to turn around the entire agriculture sector. So when a lack of brain, there's no shortage of brain. If you're thinking in their heart, the investment focus would have been different. Because you'd say to yourself, how can I spend this money so it have the greatest rate of return and positive impact on the Jamaican space? So note, so as Jamaican argue, you know, Jamaican have a mindset where says, Jamaica, no problem. That is the vision statement for Jamaica for me, you now. Jamaica, no problem. If you can have a set of people who can conceptualize a statement which says that in their country there is no problem, then what is the role of us now as people who are in positions to make decisions? Do we share that same vision? Yes? Can we put in place a system that can? Yes, we can. The absence of will is what has perpetuated what people like George Blackford call persistent poverty the biggest challenge Jamaica faces is Jamaica decision makers. There's the biggest single challenge that the Jamaica, Jamaica faces as a country. The decision makers. People like myself who sit on all these boards. And what we do, we make bad decisions and then we blame other persons for what is happening out there. But if the head of the stream is dirty, what is going to happen to the bottom of the stream? Yes? How can we be in a country which says to youths, do not engage in crime and corruption? And yes, when you look at the head of the stream, they are the ones who are most engaged in crime and corruption. So, as Peter Tash would argue, that you can't blame the youths. In truth and in fact, we cannot blame the youths. All things are based upon cause and effect. There is no such thing as coincidence, man. Coincidence is the law that recognizes. If you initiate a negative cause, it will have a negative effect. On the other hand, if you initiate a positive cause, it tends to have a positive effect. So it means we as decision makers need to think about how is that we allocate resources in the areas that can generate the most positive impact as against what we are doing currently. Because, again, based on the statements made, and this is across both governments, so this is not about the current jail led government. The opposition is also a part of it because if the opposition disagrees, they will oppose strongly. But I have not heard any opposition to those kinds of ideas. You know, And my own thinking, I said, let me tell you a quick fix to the problems in Jamaica. And this is based, again, on a lot of the research that I have done because the work that I have done is based upon the work that we do as a team. I have a team of people who have been working for the last 15, 20 years. Teamwork is the most important thing I think that has contributed to the things that I've been able to do. You know, The team that we have and, and, and employing those persons as part of the team. One of the research outcomes was that if we use polygraph testing in JSF, for you to become a very senior member in certain positions, you have to do a polygraph test, a lie detector test. That is the police, you know, because we claim that the police force is corrupt. Why is it that government ministers and people in certain high offices are not mandated to take a polygraph test, given the level of corruption in the country? That doesn't take a lot of money, you know. It doesn't take a lot of money. But the signaling will be extremely important, yes, why we don't take a polygraph test. If you know the amount of times I've made those recommendations in researches, even we're doing a research on how we bring together the anti-corruption branch and MOCA. MOCA is major organized crime. I don't remember the last letter it represents. But why haven't we implemented a polygraph testing for persons in very high offices? If we did that, a lot of things would have changed. So again, it's ahead of the stream. So Jamaica can be transformed, I think, in a very short, short space of time. You know? and i think we have the people the brain to support the transformation but i don't think we have the people the heart to support that transformation so it's not an absence of brain it's really an absence of heart and that is so non-jamaican you know because truly jamaica is known globally as a country that defends truths and rights yes we are always speaking out against injustice all across the globe and i could see it in the music It is so much in the culture of the Jamaican people. The question is, why is that we go out there as global citizens defending truth and rights across all the globe, but when we're in the position in our own country to make the decisions, those decisions are not based upon those principles. What's ironic about it though is that these same leaders that I might be criticizing now in Jamaica as being heartless persons. Do you know that when they go into the international space at major conferences, is that different person, you know? Because they're the first to speak out against the injustice. So it seems as if we abandon our jamaican when we're in Jamaica, but embrace the jamaican when we're outside of Jamaica. When it
0: comes to promoting sustainable living and fighting poverty, Dr. Knife is encouraged by the new generation of Jamaicans who he sees as global citizens with the capability to create positive change and influence older generations.
1: We're in the age of information, the Aquarian age. This is the age of knowing. The youths who are in earth today, these are youths who are born in a time of knowing. So anything that is anchored in belief is not something that they are going to embrace. So the youths are not religious But in very spiritual, they recognize a universal connectedness with everything, man, plants, animal. So the idea of being a sustainable global citizen that takes care of the earth, we don't have to try to convince our children, you know. We have actually tried to convince the adults. The brain of these youths move on a digital pace. We were socialized, our brain operates on an analog base, which is why we have the conflict. Our brain processes information so slowly in comparison to these young persons that we find that the challenge is not with really the young people. The challenge is actually with our own selves and we imposing our own mindset and our practices on these young people. Yes? We always argue that you can't allow people who are planning to die. The plan for people who are planning to live—it doesn't make any sense. But these young people and them ideas. Remember, you know, we were my 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 when I was growing up, my view of the world would have been Jamaica, the Caribbean, United States, UK, Canada. Now our children' the view of the world includes countries' names that I cannot even pronounce. Yes, you know I mean. So it's a really nice time to be in. What I'm saying is that we as adults must create a platform that allows these generations of youth to shine. Is that a hard work? Creation makes no errors. These youth's brains can multitask. They can do five things at the same time and pay attention to what's happening in the class. I remember reading research like that. That's the kind of children that we actually have. Many of our children in Jamaica, are suffering from information deficiency. Meaning that their brain absorbs and processes information so quickly, but they are not getting enough positive information as quickly as they should be getting it. So we think that they are distracted and they are giving themselves trouble. No. So until we recognize the gifts that these youths have, until we fully accept that we're in a different time and space and age... We're in an age where the information moves so rapidly. These youth brains are designed to absorb that information, even if we as adults cannot compute it. If we don't do that, we are going to have problems. A child is not born being selfish or having evil or discriminating against people. Those are learned behavior. So we need to relearn. And the best way of relearning is to learn from the person who actually have a very clean slate which is a child, you know? So the future of the world and of Jamaica, I think, is very, very bright because you can see, if you look at the things that we put out there, like the SDGs and the Vision 2030, even though we might not be doing what is required to get those things done in the way they should be done, but because those things are out there, it tells you something. When you have global objectives that Are more holistic and not just anchored in the economics. It says something. So these youths are growing up learning these things that want zero hunger, I want zero poverty, I must be inclusive, I must take care of the environment. These are things that these youths learn. We as the adults are the ones who perpetuate the bad practices continuously and and consistently. So those things will be dear. But we do not pay attention to children. I think that is the that is the, the handicap of being an adult. We are so self-absorbed into thinking that we are the ones who know all of these things and that our children are those empty vessels that we should stuff things into and not realizing that if we do that, we are going to have the same problems that we had 200 or 400 years ago. If on the other hand, you allow these youths to be themselves and to watch and learn from them, And when you watch and learn, you create the programs based on the information that you have learned from those persons. Then as Jamaica say, Jamaica will have no problem. The world will have no problem. So essentially the biggest problem in Jamaica and the world right now tends to be people like myself who make all these decisions, claiming that we have a monopoly upon knowledge. No one in the world, no generation in the world have a monopoly upon knowledge. And that is something that we just need to remember and, and, and practice.
0: With social entrepreneurship being one of Dr. Knight's many areas of expertise, he believes strongly in the potential of the Jamaican people once they can remove doubt and believe in their ability to progress beyond perceived limits.
1: The best entrepreneurs are persons who accept themselves and their own potentiality. You accept your unique creativity that they have. You accept the innovativeness of self. You have confidence in self. As a matter of fact, do you know that, I'm arguing that the characteristic of the entrepreneur and the criminal mind is one and the same? You check the work of Balmall from 1930s. They are driven by the same factors. They are motivated by the same factors. You know, very creative, very innovative, very focused network, visionaries, etc. So the first thing I will say to a young person is accept self and your, your almost infinite potentiality that you actually have. Because many of us have been socialized In a way to disempower ourselves, we have doubt, you know, we have fear. And doubt bars the way. Once you have doubt, it will stop you from doing what you want to do. So it is also experiential. So the learning is not in the talking. The learning is in the practice. Because the more you practice, the more you are able to do and do it properly. It's almost like in a sentence, people want to be the noun. But the sentence will become alive without the verb. You know, so you have to practice a bit of verb most of the time and not just the noun. You don't have to be the subject of everything. It is a doing element, it's a setting of potential and kinetic energy. The noun is potential energy and the verb is a kinetic energy. It's the actual doing that becomes that, that, that critical element. But Jamaicans are generally, according to the research, entrepreneurial. We rank very high. And, but the thing is that in Jamaica, it is driven by needs entrepreneurship as against opportunity entrepreneurship. So, persons are always trying to find a way to work out something because of the the, the stress that they are faced in. But entrepreneurship and social entrepreneurship in particular, those are not new concepts. Those are just new words. Because when I speak about social entrepreneurship, I look at the work of Marcus Garvey, and I argue that Marcus Garvey established the first, what we call transnational social enterprise, through what is called the UNIA, the Universal Negro Improvement Association. As a matter of fact, Marcus Garvey was the first person, I think, that created a a, 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 a transactional crowdfunding platform, you know, where he was selling, let me say he was selling shares to get person to be a part of it. Unfortunately, that was what they used to imprison Marcus Garvey. But today we celebrate crowdfunding platforms as a very big and novel thing. So you see, what is the lesson here? We must learn to appreciate your own brain and the brain of your people. If we appreciated the brain of a Marcus Garvey, would have adopted a lot of his ideas and utilized it in our development. We have not. So young people themselves, youth themselves, must learn to appreciate their own brain, their own thought. If I say something to you that makes sense, it's not because it is so profound. The reality is if you shine a light in a vacuum, you will not see any light. If you shine a light in a space that have things, it reflects on that and it becomes illuminated. So essentially what I'm saying is that things that make sense to you, make sense because you already know them. The question is, why did you need something external to validate it? It's like when people argue that when the student is ready, the master will appear. The master is not something that's external to you. When a person accepts the master within self, that's when the master appears. So it's about accepting your own infinite potentiality and removing doubt. And in doing that for yourself, you must also do it to the others around you. Do not think that you're the only unique and special being in this world. Every being around you is unique and special. And if we are surrounded by unique and special beings and then, then we start to work together, can you imagine what happens? But if you think that you're the only unique and special being and put limitations on everybody else, it means that Potentially, you are limiting yourself as well. Because every person that you interact with, you know, is an opportunity to learn and become better, you know. So if I put a limit on you, it means I'm limiting my opportunities to become better. You know. So first, see yourself as this being that has the potential to do. But also see others around you as the potential to do as well. And do not buy into the idea that it is a very cold and selfish and bitter world that is not the case the majority of people in earth are very good people very nice people trying to get things done you know so do not become distracted by those persons who continue to perpetuate all of these things that cause harm to people don't get distracted by them focus on the abundance of good that surrounds you and work with those people and you'll see that your life becomes easier. And I always say it, isn't that no hard work? Because once people recognize that you're genuine, they are more than willing to help. But remove doubt. Doubt bars the way.
0: The Drive in Me podcast is brought to you by Toyota Jamaica. Toyota Jamaica now leases directly to your business, tailoring lease and lease to own options with island wide maintenance included. From the RAV4 to the Prado, Hi Ace to the Hino, you can refresh your fleet with fixed monthly charges in US dollars or Jamaican dollars. For more information on Toyota lease products for your business, call or click today. This podcast is produced by Record Media. Subscribe now to hear the full series.